John, it says, uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, uh, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And I think in church in general, we have done a good job at uh, preaching Jesus being the way. And I think we've done a good job at teaching uh, Jesus being life and life in all its fullness. But what does it mean that Jesus is truth? What does that mean? And as I thought of that, I thought of, of, of our life in the past. We've sang about that and we, our life in the present and our life in the future. And I think Jesus as truth relates a lot to uh, us living in the here and now. And as I, if, I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm being honest in what I sensed in the Spirit this morning as we worshipped, it's that living here and now that is, is the biggest challenge to all of us. Our past is dealt with. Our past has been dealt with because of Calvary. Our future is secure. But how do we live in the here and now? And the way that we are to live as Christians and followers of Christ is to live in truth. And that truth ultimately is found in Jesus Christ. But thinking of the word truth led me on a big quest over the last couple of weeks to ask the question, what is truth? Many people have asked this question. Many scholars have written many books on it. And uh, here comes me, uh, a simple old farmer from Monaghan. And uh, I'm going to try and uh, share some of the thoughts that I have um, uh, on, on truth. I've been so preoccupied by this word truth, I even went to Daria the other day and asked her what the sign for truth was. Um, and and she, she told me that it was... So it gives a representation that it's something that is spoken and... Okay... The definition of truth is, um, this is a great slide that Paul put up. You think you're seeing uh, bridges, but you're actually seeing tall ships. Um, and and uh, it creates that illusion. What, what, what do we see and what do we actually see? And, uh, but the definition, the, the, the world's definition of truth is it's a fact or belief that is accepted to be true. It's a fact or a belief that is accepted to be true and the adding on to that is that it's something that we rely on every day. Whether you believe it or not, you have truths within you that you live with every day. They will determine how we value people. They will determine how we value things. They will determine how we act and react in situations. They will determine how we view life in a general way. Let me tell you a quick story. Last Saturday, not yesterday, the week before, Joanne and I uh, decided that we would go to Gosford, uh, the show, the agricultural show at Gosford. And uh, if I heard my wife saying this once, I heard her saying a hundred times, the truth is, Neville, you're hard to be with today. And for me, it was very stressful because I like to get in, see what I need to see, and get out. If I'm doing shopping, I'm the exact same way. In, out, that's it. But this dill-dallying about, weaving through, it's not in my nature. It's not a truth that I live by. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that, does that make sense? Um, truths. How, is, how, how, do we, how do we get these truths within our lives? Well, there's, I, I believe that there's uh, three ways that the truths are developed within our lives. And I'm talking about in the worldly sense as we just uh, live. They can be inherited. 
they can be developed by the input of information or sometimes some of the truths that, that we live by are forced upon us by actions or words of other peoples. Now let me tell you about truths, some of the truths that lie within us. Some of them can be extremely positive and cause us to excel and spur on, but some of them can be very negative and cause us to withdraw. They can cause us actually to live with limits upon our lives and not be fully the full potential of we can be. Let me tell you about an inherited truth. I'm going to quickly tell you a story, and most of you think that's impossible for me to do. But um, there's a story told of this young girl who, who gets married, and, uh, and she, she uh, marries this young fella, and they have a beautiful home, and, um, and they have a great lifestyle, and, and life is very rosy and great. And, uh, and, and, and every Sunday she... She takes on this role that she has inherited from her mother. She decides that the important thing where Sunday's concerned is roast beef dinner. And so every Sunday, this new husband watches as, as this wife prepares this roast beef dinner. And this is something that her mother has done and her grandmother has done and her great-grandmother has done. Sunday dinner, roast beef dinner, is the most important part of the week. And as the young, uh, the young husband watches the wife in this beautiful big kitchen, this massive kitchen, preparing all this lovely food, uh, he notices one thing. He notices that, uh, that when she's preparing the meat to put it in the oven in the morning, in the Sunday morning time, she does something unusual. And, uh, and the young man, you know, when you're, when you're married early, you need to be careful with your words. Uh, as many of us know, um, builds up enough courage after a couple of weeks to say to his wife, darling, when you're preparing the meat, your dinners are fantastic. I love it. I love it. It's such a special part of our week. But when you're preparing the dinner, or when you're preparing the meat, how does it come you set it out on that beautiful uh, worktop that we have? You, you bring the tray, the big tray from that double oven that we have over on the left-hand side. And, and you, you set the meat on the tray and then you cut a huge chunk off each side of the meat. And, uh, and the girl was just stunned at the husband asking her this question. And she thought for a moment and she said, there was a silence, and then she said, do you want me to be honest with you? I have no idea. And, uh, and, he, and the husband said, well, look, your dinners are wonderful. Please don't take it as, as anything negative towards your dinners. But it's just a question that I'm asking. That evening, the young girl was talking to her mother on the phone. And, uh, and they were about to finish the conversation. And the young girl said to the mother, Mom, can you just, just answer me this question? Because it's kind of puzzling me all day. Why do we go through this routine? Why do I do that? I learned that from you. The mother, there was a silence on the phone and the mother said, um, I don't know. It's something I saw my mother doing. And, uh, and so the question was related on to the grandmother. And the grandmother actually said, sorry, I don't know the answer to that either. But it's something my mother did. But my mother is, it has passed away, but I can ask her sister or your auntie or my auntie I can ask her that question. 
And the, the result of the, the answer came back a couple of weeks later. And the result was this. We were poor. We lived in a small house. The kitchen, there wasn't even much of a kitchen. It was a small cooker in the corner of the room that uh, barely heated the room. And in order to get the roast into the cooker, we had to cut each side of the roast off to get it to fit in. Inherited truths that we continue to live by. Maybe some of us grew up in a home with very strong opinions. Andrew and Lila shared very well the other night on Sunday night, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, it's available. But, but maybe some of those few strong views that we have grew up in uh, cause us to talk about people or view people in a certain way. Maybe we've picked up prejudice or whole prejudice against a certain class of people that we didn't realize are underneath the skin. Maybe some of those inherited truths that have been placed down within us is, is actually fear, anxiety, and negativity. Maybe you've grown up in a home that there was a lack of responsibility. It's always somebody else's reason why you're facing the problem you're facing today. Maybe you've grown up in a home where escapism was the norm. Oh, well, if we get such and such, if we get this or that or the other, then we'll be able to solve our problem. Today, we live with an epidemic of an entitlement environment. We're entitled to everything. And if you've grown up in a home like that, that's a cycle that you need to, to break. Maybe you've worked up in a home where a work ethic is so, so strong that you actually believe within your belief system you can solve every problem on the, of this earth. You can't. Only God can. I wasn't supposed to mention God in the first part of it, but I can't help it. Truths are facts um, that we believe are accepted as true uh, that, that are developed through the input of information. That's the second one. We're obsessed. We're obsessed as a people with information. Do you know how many messages your brain receives daily? The average person's brain receives daily. It's said that we receive 70,000 messages a day into your brain. I don't mean text messages, by the way. And yet... Statistics show that the, the, ability, the ability to perform simple tasks today is lower than it's ever been. We receive so much information and yet the ability to perform simple tasks is lower than everything. There was a question asked in London of students aged 14. Aged 14, a class of 200 students. Where does milk come from? What percentage got that right? Less than 10% got it right. We're obsessed with the ability to connect with people around us. Um, the average person, again, above the age of 25, receives 20, 77 text messages or WhatsApps or whatever a day. Below 25, that's doubled. Social media, the average person... Uh, spends over the average person above 25, it reckons that they spend two hours a day on social media. 
and you get it difficult to listen to me for 35 minutes. Below 25, do you know what the average is? Four hours a day on social media. Social media, listen to the word, it's social media. And yet we live with an epidemic of people feeling lonely, disconnected. And yet we have the greatest tools, seemingly, than ever before. And it's not helping. All these things don't seem to be helping society. And then there's the truths that are forced upon us. Words and actions. My wife continually told me when we got married, um, words are like toothpaste. Words are like toothpaste, Neville. Once they're out, you can't put them back in. And, and, I, and I've mastered that art. But now she goes on to tell me, it's not what you say, it's the way you say it. You know, words and actions have the ability to spur a person on or to destroy them in an instant. Destroy them in an instant. Words and actions can cause people to soar, but they can also cause people to withdraw and go inward on themselves. And maybe you're living in the, uh, with, the, with the negativity of words or actions. Let me say this in defense of the person who said these things to you or done these things to you. Statistics show that 90% of the people are not aware of it at all. That they've harmed you in any way. That's huge. And yet we live with offense and we live under the words. The average person is exposed to 7,000 ads a day. Your brain is exposed to 7,000 adverts per day. My Joanne kept asking me, where did you get these statistics from? She said, what if somebody lives and never leaves the house? Well, I said, it's the average. It's not, it's the average. Do you know companies all around us want to sell us something? Their companies now, advertising companies, are looking for a space that you have time to think. And you know what the latest one is? Well, there's two. One for men at, to- at the toilets, standing at the toilet, and they want to have a digital screen at the front so they can sell you something. The second is at petrol pumps. They say it's the, it's the space where the average household person um, is, is standing and they have uh, two minutes. It's two minutes, 30 seconds, actually while you're filling your car with petrol. They have digital screens, and they want to sell you, um, sell you insurance. They want to sell you holidays. They want to sell you clothes. They're, you're going to see this all coming in the future. Social media companies are not social media companies. and I don't want to, I'm not speaking against social media companies, but I think it's good for us to be aware what social media companies are. Social media companies are funded and you make huge amounts of money out of selling you products. Next time you're on Facebook, scroll up and down and see how many ads are on those things. They want, to, they want to sell us the latest gadget. They want to sell us the idea of the greatest job. They want to sell us pension plans. They want to, to help you find your partner. They want to uh, get you the best body, um, clothes. They want to wrap up something 
and sell it to you while they've got your attention. They want to, they say they can fill the deepest, your deepest desires. They say that. I'm going to come back to that deepest desires in a wee bit. What we feed our minds will, will, will ultimately become the truths that we live by. They reckon in those 70,000 pieces of information that we receive every day, you know all those things that blast your mind, that pin into your mind, only 30% of them will have a positive effect on your life. That's huge. That's 70% of 70,000 pieces of information having a negative effect. What am I saying? Am I saying we need to go away and hide in cupboards? No, I'm not saying that at all. But we need to realize that... um, not all the things that our minds, uh, our brains have been exposed to are positive and have a positive effect of our lives. Do you all understand that? Are you all okay with that? Is that are we, we tracking okay here? Tracking's the modern word. Tracking? Yep, track on. I wrote in here pray um, because, uh, and, and, and I just pray God settles our heart with that sort of information because I think it's we need to be wise we're called to be wise in the last days and the enemy wants to come and, 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 and draw us off draw us away from the main thing see what we want to do here as a church as a body as a family as a community is offer truths that the world doesn't offer we value a, a lot of the good truths the world has offer, offers. But we're not here to enhance those in any way. We're here to promote the truth, Jesus Christ. We're here to promote something that isn't, just doesn't add on to the world's truths. We're here to promote the truth, the truth, the only truth, that we can live by. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, every part of Scripture is God-breathed, showing us truth. It also exposes our rebellion, correcting our mistakes and training us the way to live. Through the Word we are put together, listen to this, through this truth we are put together and shaped for the task God has for us. I recently heard a story of a, a lady, uh, she was a pastor in a church, and, uh, and she wanted to introduce uh, more to the worship team. And so she, 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 God placed it upon her heart that there was people who were artists in her congregation. And there was especially this young guy who, who, um, who had this gift for art. And, uh, and so what she said was she, she felt that she needed to guide him, and, and he felt within his heart that he, he wanted to paint a picture that represented their church or their body, their gathering together in this, in this local, uh, local area within England. And so the lady pastor went to the young guy and said, sure, let's do it. Tell me what you're thinking. And so he explained this wonderful building and uh, it was a place of rescue and it was a place of rejoicing and it was a place of, of people being renewed and all these things. And, and he had this fire within his belly. And, uh, and she said, yeah, go do it. Go do it. And then she said, but do one thing for me. Will you do one thing? And he said, 
what is it? And she said, I want you to paint this in in the picture. And she, he said, absolutely no problem. Whatever you say, Pastor. He said, put in at the bottom of the church, put the, this building, put it resting on an open Bible. Because all of this needs to be built on truth. You get the picture. And, uh, and that's what we find in, in, in uh, where did my Bible go? But anyway, that's what we find in our, in our Bibles is truth. Truth. John 14, as I've already said it, uh, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How we operate here and now. Most of us, uh, we're getting there. That's okay. Thanks, Johnny. And the next slide. And the next one. And let's go on to the next slide. Most of us know these words. If you know the truth, then they will set you free. Let me tell you, our universities, our governments, uh, government bodies, our courts, our health service, all our pillars of society are built on this. If we know the truth. They, they, they recognize the importance of truth within a person's life. I saw Julie putting her eyes down a wee bit, but that's okay. Health service believes that when a person comes truly to who they are. They are there's something released chemically within them. But that's part of the story. It's funny how the world will only tell us part of the story. If you know this truth, if you know truth, truth will set you free. Hands up who wants to live in freedom. We sang about it earlier. Nobody. But the world, the world recognizes this statement. And this is a biblical statement, but they don't take all the verse. It's a half-truth. I could go on about a half-truth. It's not a word that we hear a lot about today, half-truths. That's a half-truth you're telling me. You're telling me part of the truth, but you're not actually telling me all the truth. Isn't it funny how we've, we've come to accept that, okay? I'll just tell part of the story. John 8 verse 31 tells the whole story. It says, if you continue in my word, abide in it. Another translation says, if you abide in me, this is Jesus speaking. You're truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I love this quote from Ravi Zacharias. And uh, I found this the other night on the on the computer, that's a good picture of him. But freedom comes not just from knowing the truth, but knowing what the source of that truth is. And that's Jesus. Freedom comes. Let's leave that statement up here. Freedom comes. I, I don't know about you, but half time I don't live in freedom. I don't... I don't uh, I don't live in freedom. There's bondages, there's barriers, there's things that are holding me back half time. Not living, I don't believe I'm living fully what God wants me to do. And if we want to know that freedom, we're going to have to find it in Jesus. As I say, we're, a lot of us have got to the state where we can accept Jesus. 
but we're, we're, we're accepting Jesus, but we're not accepting his truth or his word. We're happy to accept Jesus, but we're not happy. We're happy to remain in the world's way. We're happy to take on the world's principles. We're happy to take on the world's view, the world's way of solving problems. Truth is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. John 1 tells us that he came to demonstrate, to, not just to reveal truth, but to demonstrate what it looked like to live as truth. He came, he showed what it was like. I like that part where he only came to do the will of the Father. That's all he came to do. He never came to do his own will. How many of us think that we just do our own thing and I'm away off in another sermon altogether? Truth. Now, um, we had a lovely evening the other evening with Lauren. And uh, I don't want to embarrass Lauren in any way. But I think it's important if you can come on up here. Just one second, Lauren. Lauren, come on. I'm not going to embarrass you. Come on, Darren. No, come on. Lauren's a great bundle of joy. Yes, go around this side. Okay, okay. And Lauren shared a story with us the other night. She shared of just, she, she can't believe she's up here. Because you're a good friend. Um, and Lauren shared a story with us, shared a story with us the other, the other day. Just last year was a very difficult year for you. And, uh, and it was a challenging year uh, within work. And that just overflowed into every area of your life. And, uh, and so can you tell us what you practically did? Um, so um, with, obviously with Karen and all, it was very difficult, you know, and I had so many needs and it was just scary, you know, because he wanted to meet his wee needs and, you know, and it was just, it was, it was scary and it was, it was a wee bit, it wasn't dark, but it was hard and I knew God was with me, but it was still scary because sometimes the devil, he comes into your mind and he gives you hard, you know, he just tells you things that aren't true. And um, I, uh, with meeting, I, I meet up with a few people now and again every couple of weeks and uh, they uh, look after me and uh, tell me, how to, you know, trust in God and mummy and everybody. And uh, they told me to write like a wee verse, you know, like like say something that, that I was struggling with and there was a wee verse to go with it. Um, they told me to write it down on a wee piece of paper and I would have had like a wee piece of paper in the car, stuck the, uh, the wee thing beside the, just in my car, so I could see it. <laughs> I don't know where, yeah, to, just, just in car. And then uh, in work, it would have been very difficult and I would have got stressed a lot. And uh, I would have had it on my phone then as my screensaver, reverse. And I used to, <laughs> I used to, whenever Kieran was doing well or, you know, he was actually settled, I would have, and I was getting a wee bit nervous, I would have went and quickly got my phone from the staff room and I would have went into the cupboard or went into 
you know, the toilet or something, and I would have read the verse, and I would have said, Lord, just let me remember this, let me remember this. And by the end of, you know, the time when, you know, it was getting better, I would have knew the verse. And then I would have went went and picked another one, and then learnt the other one. And, you know, God was really good. And any time I finished reading reading it, I felt so relaxed, and God was with me, and I knew that I could face me and Karen could conquer the world. You know? Great, <laughs> great. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Great, Lauren. You said exactly what I needed you to say. Um, and so, you know, in your situation, what I want to say in that is that there's truth that God wants to reveal to you. But there may be a little bit of effort on our part getting them into our innermost being. And so um, just as I was preparing this and time is drawn on, I, I, I really sense that there was, there was people that are, are battling with different things. You can't have a crowd of this number that aren't battling with certain, with a wide variety of things. And, and so God, I, I felt under the, the leading of the Holy Spirit that God gave me some verses um, to some promises for people. And, and if, you're, if you're battling with something and you you're struggling to, to, to battle your way through that, come and speak with me afterwards. I'd like to give you a verse. It might be with direction or wisdom or loneliness or being out on a limb or um, strength or purpose and, uh, and whatever. But I remember the first time that God spoke to me. And uh, it was in the year 1999. Some of you aren't even, weren't even born then. Um, but um, in 1999, the Y2K or the Y2K, K-bug, was it Y2K-bug? Um, and so in 1999, what, what we were told, we were, we were all investing heavily in computers and going online and all that sort of stuff in, in, in 1998 and 1999. And what we were told was in the year 2000 that uh, once that year triggered in, that our computers were going to be completely wiped. The money that we had in our bank accounts were going to be completely wiped. We were going to, our electricity in our homes weren't going to work. You weren't going to be able to buy food in our shops. You weren't going to be able to fuel your car. It was, um, and, and some of you are looking and saying, was that actually true? That was actually true. And that actually steeped into our churches and our churches, our Some of our churches told us to buy generators and stockpile your foods and everything else, and uh, and so I'm I'm young in business and there's a young there's 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 a team of us and we're working there and and you're being asked what do you think we can do? I was uh, 25 at the age, young person, and uh, and and I felt a real real 25 is young, and uh, uh, I felt a real stern in my spirit that I didn't sense what I was hearing was right. I didn't sense what I was hearing was right, and I was praying and grappling through it. It was in November time, and, uh, and we had these decisions to make before the end of December. And, uh, and, uh, and one, one Thursday evening, I was sitting in my office. It was half past five, and I got a phone call. It was from a friend of mine in America, and, uh, and what she said to me, she said, we chatted. We, we did that regularly every couple of months. And she, she said to me, Neville, just before I go, I've got the strangest verse for you but I'm going to leave it with you. And it was Proverbs 35, verse 25. And it says this, I will not see the righteous forsaken or your children break bread. And, uh, and for me, th- that was the verse. That was the clearing in my, ha- in my head. Now, did I have to fight with that verse at certain times over the next six to eight weeks? 
Did I have to contend? Did I have to, did I have to uh, struggle for to get other people to come on board and trust me? I did. Really did. And sometimes the verses that God gives us, and that's what I want to say about this truth, when God gives us a truth, there's times the world will go against that. There's times everything in your flesh will fight against it. But when it's a word from God, it's a word from God. And uh, you're wondering what happened. I didn't take any money out of the bank. I didn't change anything at all. And that we flicked into the year 2000 and not one thing changed. You know, in those silent moments, sometimes on the verge, like what Lauren was sharing with us, sometimes in those moments when it's scary, uh, when, we tr- when truth is meditated upon, our souls, our spirits are restored and revived. There's lots more that, that I could say. There's lots more. My time is gone. Uh, you know, it's been brilliant listening to Dave, um, you know, over the last uh, couple of weeks ago, sharing on the, the story of Daniel and his three friends and how they had to, to stand out in faith. And that's what, that's what ultimately God's looking for. He's looking people who trust in him and trust in his faithfulness, trust in his word and will step out with both character. Listen to me, listen, step out with both character and gifting to demonstrate his glory to a world who hasn't seen it yet. The, the interesting thing at the end of that story where King Nebuchadnezzar was concerned, he was the man, the heathen man issued a commandment. He said, to the the young man who had stood for God. He said, now all my people, now all my people must pray to your God. You know, the Bible refers to truth as the belt. Ephesians 6 says, put on the belt of truth and the armor of God. You know, a belt was so important in those days. A belt was central to a man's being. Many of us, speak words, but they're not central to our being. They're not right down in our innermost being. The belt was important because everything a man carried was hung from his belt, from the belt of truth. It determined how a man would operate in battle. It determined when the father comes to the prodigal son, we read the words that the father lifted up the skirt that was going to hold him back, the, the tunic, it was going to hold him back, stuck it into the belt of truth because the truth is God's love will never, ever fail us. God's love is unconditional and he throws his tunic into that belt and he runs to the sun. It's central and everything hangs on it. Second Timothy 2 says, in the last days, men will be more lovers of themselves. It says men, it says women too. Men and women will be more lovers of themselves. They'll be preoccupied than they will be of truth. They'll be more concerned about their positions and their desires and their own form of godliness than they will be about truth. Second Peter 2 verse 1. I don't know whether I've got this on screen. I don't think I have. It says this, Therefore rid yourself of everything that opposes truth. Another translation says, another verse says, take every thought captive that would come against truth. And like newborn babies, 
lots of newborn babies in this place. Take the milk. Take the purity of the word of God. Did you ever see a, did you ever see a mother stressing over a child that has missed one feed? They stress over that because they know it's so important. Flicking on. Read yourself. Maybe you need to change the environment you hang around in. Maybe you need to change the information that you're inputting into your life. Maybe you need to refuse to live under those truths that have been forced upon you by your culture or other people around you. And maybe you need to replace them with some long-lasting truths. I want to ask three questions as I end. I promise I'll be three minutes, maybe four. What are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your mind with? They say there's three things in the world. There's lies, man's opinion, and truth. And so as a man thinks, as a man thinks, so he is. You're living by lies. Because that's who you are. Are you living by man's opinion? That's the way you live. Are you living by truth? Some lies have masked themselves as truth within us. We need to, 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 to be diligent and search through that. You know, a false humility is a lie. You know that? Church is full of it. False humility. There's also a sense of people having far too great of an opinion of themselves too. But false humility is also equal a lie. There's lots more I could say. Oh man, this was good when I preached it to myself. What truths dictate or dominate your behavior? Let me remind you again of what Paul says. Be diligent and accurate in, with the truth. Work hard at it. What truths are you working hard to weed out? The negative ones. What, 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 be diligent. What truths are you holding on to? Be accurate with them. What truth have you got on the screensaver of your phone? It's the, it's the item that, is, that we're most attached to. I love that song. Judith sang it. Didn't know she was going to sing it. We are more than conquerors. You know, we haven't, we haven't been brought into the kingdom of God to be conquerors. We're just conquerors. We have been brought in to be more than conquerors. Sometimes I think it's great to have conquered. But we have been called in to be more than conquerors. There'll be days you'll have to fight for it. And that's why we encourage, we encourage uh, stories of faith. We encourage uh, events that we encourage like Tobar last weekend. The stories of faith of how Jesus spoke to people and, uh, and, and, and helped ordinary people do extraordinary things for God. That's the truth of the Bible. And uh, the third question is, how high of a priority is truth? How high of a priority for you is putting on truth and adhering to it? That word adhering means sticking to it. It's like when wallpaper is stuck to a wall, they can't be separated or something of one side rips apart. We, take, we make time for the things that we are passionate about. I want to ask you a question. Are you passionate about living in freedom? Are you passionate about seeing the people around you live in freedom? Are you passionate to see God's glory revealed? If you're passionate about it, 
you'll prioritize it. Remember what I told you. There's three things in this world. Lies, man's opinion, and truth. Which one are you going to live by? And uh, I love Robbie Zacharias' quotation. It's all found in Jesus. Let me finish with the verse. John, where John says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me.